All right, we're rolling. We're rolling. All right. Let's do it. Welcome to the podcast with Roger and Spencer. This is it. This is it, man. We, uh, we're, we're talking about film. We are. We are. We both love film and we both uh, have strong opinions on what makes good film. And we're very open-minded too. That's what I like, right? Because mm-hmm. you mentioned we do have very strong opinions, but we're also very like detail-oriented on why we have those opinions. It's right. not like I have this because my mom told me this was right. Right. It's like, no, we have this because we have a certain feel or a certain vibe. You know, like, why is this person your favorite actor? It's like, it's not just because, oh, well, they look good, you know? Right. Oh, this movie was good. I feel like it goes way deeper than that. Agreed. Yeah. So. And I think it's been interesting, especially with, you know, COVID going on. I, I haven't been to the theater that much and I haven't seen a lot of new movies. So that's kind of helped me reflect on, you know, what do I want to rewatch? What do I want to go back to? Which... I feel like there's a lot of things that are fun to watch once, but those things that you can go back to and yes. enjoy over and over are something that I really love. Have you seen any new movies since COVID hit? Uh, the only one I saw was Tenet. In theaters? Or in theaters, oh. yep. It was a super small theater in Idaho and there was like two other people in there, but we went and saw it like opening day, fantastic. Okay, so this is where we're gonna pause and start here because um, maybe I need to let everybody know Christopher Nolan is my absolute favorite director and we can go into that later of why he is, but I have plenty of reasons, but I want to know your genuine thoughts about Tenet. I actually haven't asked you this. It's yeah, funny. we haven't talked about like, this. We, we didn't, and, and Roger and I talk about film all the time, so right. we haven't talked about this. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I'll clarify, my favorite Christopher Nolan movie is Hands Down the Prestige. Uh, that's actually... That and Tombstone, which is an older movie, are my two favorites of all time. So nothing will ever top the prestige. At least that's how I see it. But uh, I think this might be my second favorite one. Oh, okay. Um, It's hard between this one and Inception. Actually, no, Dark Knight. It's definitely second. I forgot about that one. This is why Christopher Nolan is so good. Right. Right. But they all have such, like, he has that Nolan style. Yes. They all have a different feel. Yeah. No, and it's, it's funny because you're the only person, so many people have seen The Prestige, but you're the only person who agrees with me that it's the greatest film of all time. Yep. And I think a lot of that goes into, of course, the acting's incredible, but Christopher Nolan at his finest. Right. I, uh, I messaged a friend of mine after I saw Tenet because I was dying to see it for a year and a half. Once Same. they announced it, I was like, I'm, I'm ready for it. I know Christopher Nolan. He said it was his baby. He yep. had been working on it for years, right? Like he, I think he had written it like 10 years ago or like 15 years ago. And he just hasn't gotten around to making it. Mm-hmm. And then he finally did. And so I was dying to see it. And I remember watching the first time. I went with a, a small group of friends because obviously with COVID, sure, you know, you want to be COVID friendly. And we went and me or this, this other kid and myself were the only ones who were like semi-intrigued after. Everybody had a headache. Everybody's like, really? I don't even know what happened. And in my head, I was like, I understand 60 to 70% of that sure. movie. And I know I need to see it again. So I had a lot of people ask me, dude, what would you rank it? Right. Cause people always ask me, rank it one out of 10. What would you rank it? And I was like, that's hard. I was like, until I watch it a second time, I won't give you any ranking. That's fair. So I like I, that. So I saw it a second time. Cause that way with any Christopher Nolan movie, you got to see it. Twice. Even if it's the dark Knight or something, that's a little bit like less brain teaser. Right. You got to go see it a second time. Cause he throws in so many things and so the second time I saw it, I remember I sent a long message. It was like a critic review that I actually submitted to IMDb. Oh, really? Because I sent this to my friend and he's like, dude, you need to submit this to IMDb. 
but I told him in very summarized form. Sure. I was like, Tenet is not by any means the best movie of all time, right? Or the best of the genre or anything. But I said, Tenet may be the most intellectual, intelligent movie of all time. Like it must be, it might be the most intelligent movie I've ever seen of all time. And honestly, like Inception might be right behind it. Right. And they feel so similar. Yes. In in concept, but mm-hmm. not in execution. And I think like for me, so I actually haven't seen Tenet a second time. I need to, and I, and I love that kind of take on it where you have to have seen it a second time yes. um, because there's so much that you miss. And I kind of feel like with stories, like whether I'm reading a book or watching a show or a movie, like the first time is for the experience. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of try to go in and, and, you know, my mind's working, but I'm really not there to like analyze and critique it. That's a good point. I just want to enjoy it. And then the second time I go back, that's when I'm like, okay, I know, I know the story. I've been through the funds, the twist, the turn, and now I want to go back and analyze it. And so I, I definitely need to do that with Tenet. So I love that you've gone back through it and you've formed an opinion after that second go. It's funny, dude. Like you, <laughs> you literally emulated my experience because I the first time I went, with friends, popcorn, drinks, second yep. time by myself. Right. I literally went by myself. Like, like a good Ken, book. Ken stayed here. Yeah. And I was like, I need to go by myself. I just, I literally sat on a row by myself too, because I was just like, I don't want any distractions. I want to watch this movie. And dude, like, isn't that the way films are supposed to be made? Right. Christopher Nolan said something about this. I don't, I'm not going to like phrase him or anything, but he said like, the reason I like making the films I do is because it makes people want to see it more than once. Right. Because what's the point of a movie if you see it once, they spent millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on making this movie and you're done. You're like, okay, yep. uh, we'll put it on the shelf. You know, we'll, we'll see it later in Netflix, but we'll never watch it again. Maybe right. 10 years down the road, we want to watch a family movie. But with like Tenet or any of other Christopher Nolan films, it's like, I could watch Inception tomorrow. Right. I could watch Prestige right now with you. And then again next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, I, that's something that I've like, like for me, I, I, at, at my heart, I'm a minimalist. So I don't like a lot of things, um, but unfortunately I have a couple of hobbies that involve things, you know, like movies, I like to play board games. Um, and those things generate clutter essentially because they're physical objects. Fortunately now with movies and music and like digital books, I can condense that all into my phone and I don't have all that clutter, but I'm really looking for like the value of like something I can keep going back to. And like you said, that's a good point. There's so much that comes out that's, it's a one trick pony or it's a one shot, you know, yeah. you see it nice, cool, move on and you never think about it again. Yeah. But I love those things that you can keep coming back to that just keep adding value over and over again. And some of my favorite shows, movies, book series are things that I can keep coming back to and enjoy it. And they have that depth that like that Nolan's movies have where you can watch it and you always get something new out of it every time. Yeah. You understand it a little bit more, but I never feel like you fully understand it. Yeah. I, I mean, there's that phrase, like you age like fine wine. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know you don't drink wine. I, you know, I drink wine mm-hmm. and I still don't know what like aged fine wine tastes like, but if I were to put it in, you know, kind of a description for movies, it's like, take a movie from, you know, the Godfather, which sure. is blasphemy. I've never seen it, but me either there you go so <laughs> we're talking about films and we're just blasting me because we're not we haven't even seen the godfather we'll take shawshank redemption okay okay, okay. i've seen that okay. of course that is imdb rated number number one, one of all so time. so at least we could say we've seen that but take that movie right made in what the 80s or early 90s yep and you watch it today and it's so good right like there's no there's no flaw to it like even when you watch you know certain films like 
fight club like there's some like really cheesy scenes it's a good yep. movie but there's super cheesy scenes but with Shawshank it's so good and I feel like that's going to be Tenet, Inception, Dark Knight, The Prestige right you watch them 40 years down the road and you're going to have the same feeling like wow that was authentically made it it was on a high budget for a reason sure no cutting corners um but that it kind of intrigued me to ask you because we'll get back to you know favorite director or I mean favorite movie but who do you say is your your favorite director of all time and why that's so hard I I feel like I don't know I don't I don't feel like I'm really drawn to one director I would say like I do love a lot of like Christopher Nolan stuff um my favorite my other favorite movie of all time is Tombstone but I wouldn't say like in my top five movies they're specifically like a director theme yeah um what i look for i guess is story like for me story is everything and like uh the characters as well um so like give me a great character with a great story uh and i'm there and i think that's what like shawshank yeah know, a lot of these movies have and one interesting thing is i feel like some of christopher nolan's movies don't have great characters like i think tenet has an interesting way of like telling a story but you never really like invest in that character like I never felt invested in either of the main characters that's how I feel about Dunkirk okay yeah yeah but Dunkirk I have zero investment in any of the characters right but it's so interesting because you know we think of iconic characters in movies that you're drawn to and that you love and I think it's interesting that when a movie doesn't rely on the character but can still succeed yeah Um, and I think that's kind of how I feel about a director like okay I don't think it's necessarily got to be like oh just because you made this movie it's going to be great. Like I always go in with like fresh eyes, like, let me evaluate your work and let me evaluate the movie and then kind of see like, okay, you know, does this meet my personal standards? And I'm nobody, I have an opinion, Yeah, you know? Yeah. That's just me. I'm I'm not, I'm not here to say that someone isn't better than anyone else, but for me, that's just kind of how I like to look at it. That's a fresh take, man. I like that a lot. I mean, it's funny because three years ago, I've always loved movies. You, you've probably always loved movies, but like, three years ago is probably when I first really started diving into movies. Right. Like I didn't know, I didn't even know that score meant the music in movies. Right. <laughs> like I didn't know directors. Right. I knew probably like 40% of the actors that I now know. I didn't know composers. I didn't know anything. And then once you really dive into movies and you start talking about it more. Right. right. By the way, Roger and I worked together. So that's how, you know, we used to work together. So we'd talk about movies all the time. Right. But the more conversation that you have, I feel like the more your knowledge starts building, right? I mean, yeah. I didn't know, I knew Christopher Nolan made The Dark Knight. Sure. Never tied him to Inception, never tied him to The Prestige. I didn't know who Quentin Tarantino was. Yep. Barely knew who Steven Spielberg was. Like, I didn't know any of these guys. And then now watching these movies, now you start to connect the dots, right? Like Quentin Tarantino is an easy, not easy, but he's a close second. To sure, sure. You know, because you take Jane Unchained, you know, like, um, what's that? Fantastic movie. What's the movie? Um, Once Upon, Once Upon a Time, Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. Brilliant. Like, yep. so well made. And I'm like, okay, Quentin, like, you know exactly what you're doing. Right. And so it's funny that you look at it from a, a, a story and a character sense of, um, I guess, aspect. Right. Which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. I actually almost do the opposite where I look at it and I'm like, okay, Christopher Nolan's making this film. Maybe I put false expectations in my head, but I'm like, okay, like I'm looking forward to this. I'm putting it all in. All my chips are on the table for Christopher Nolan. Like I fully expected Tenant to be as brilliant as it was. And I'm so like, 
obviously satisfied that it was that good right but it's obvious it's also scary to say like well maybe it's not going to be good right you know like i've never seen memento but he's remaking it and i'm a little scared because i'm like there are mixed feelings about memento being a movie you know starting from the end going backwards exactly and so that scares me a little bit but that's kind of the way i look at directors well and it's interesting too because i think as you kind of like basically it all comes down to developing your taste right because you know yes. when you first start out you go you can go on imdb and look up a, a rating for a movie and whether it's like us i mean there probably aren't a lot of people that love like a three rated movie out of ten <laughs> but you know once you get into like maybe six to ten range like i feel like it's all preference and have I think, you ever rated movies on IMDb? I haven't actually. It's addicting. I'm sure it is. It's like, addicting. I try to hold off on reviews because I feel like I would take it way too seriously. I take myself way too serious. I do that sometimes for board games, but that's the only thing I've ever like delved into. But I, I think it's, you know, one, it's just developing your taste. Like at the end of the day, like, and if you feel confident enough in a director, because like if Christopher Nolan does something, I too get excited. Um, not to the level you do, but I, like, I know his reputation, like Tarantino does something. Or, yes. You know, uh, the guy who did Revenant, I'm forgetting his oh, name. Oh, dude, he's a super, he's Birdman. A, yeah. Like, he's a, like, kind of a low-key guy, though. He is. And he's is gotten he, a lot more like notoriety. Italian or something? He's, he like, he's foreign in some, in some way. He's either Italian or Spanish. Yeah, he's one of the two. Because I, I remember when he made Revenant, mm-hmm. it was like his first major film. Yeah. Feature film that he made. And like Leo was, the, I, I'm always that person. I'm sure you are too. When I watch a movie, I like go hard on the interviews and the articles right, afterwards. Yep. The making and of, yeah, exactly. sometimes even better than the movie. Dude, it's, I think it's way better. Right. Like the amount of Tenant things that I watched after Tenant, but like Leo was talking about how they didn't do, they didn't do anything artificial besides obviously the CGI scenes were like the bear. That was it. But like all the colds, like it, he said it was like the worst conditions he's ever been in in any oh, yeah. movie. But look at how it came out. Look at right. the authenticity. Look at the emotion. Like, look at the way they're expressing themselves. There's a reason that's the only Oscar he's won. Right. Was for that movie. And I think, like, that movie is a great example of, like, transcending what it was. Like, for me, it was an experience. You know, like, you experience that movie. Absolutely. Through that character. And that's, like, that's the kind of unique, like, next level stuff I'm looking for. Um, so I really enjoyed The Revenant. I thought it was amazing. It, and it's not a movie I'll watch regularly. Yeah. But it was just like, I think maybe the fact that I have this like fond memory of it might be better than the reality. So I'm, uh-huh. I'm a little bit scared to go back and watch That's it. That's an maybe. interesting way of thinking about it. Because I've changed too, you know, like you've watched these movies a yeah. long time ago and you kind of think fondly of them and then you watch them again and you're a different person now. So are you going to enjoy it as much or is it you know, maybe you'll start to see the flaws and that taints that memory. Well, it's like nobody liked tomatoes when they're eight years old, but now I love tomatoes. You I know? still hate them. <laughs> All right. Peppers, onions, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, it, right? right? Like you, you never, want cheese pizza. Right? Yeah. You never want it. Yeah, exactly. Like you go to the nicest, you know, go to Grimaldi's in New York and you order a cheese pizza and people are like, what are you doing? Like, right. like get the works or something. Uh-huh. I'm going to ask you a controversial question. Sure. It's a very simple question. But it's very controversial. Best acting performance of all time. And if you got to give me like two or three that you're kind of like debating, I have two in my head right now. Uh, yeah, me too. I, so again, I'm biased. Okay. Um, I would say the first is probably Heath Ledger as the Joker. Oh God, that was even in my discussion. It has to be now. It has to be. It has to be. I got, it is. And the second one would be Val Kilmer in Tombstone playing. Uh, Dude, I've never seen Doc Tombstone. Holiday. We need to watch it. Yeah, I need to see it. Yeah. I'll How bring- did I leave Heath off the table? 
Who, well, who are you going to say? So, so I'm going to put Heath up there regardless. He's going to sure. be, he's going to be in that number one spot. It's one of those givens, but it's funny. Cause one of them's a TV show. So, okay. Well, if that, that changes things, okay, but you go. So I'll, I'll tell you my, my movie one. Okay. okay. So super low key, but Timothy Chalamet in, um, what's it, what's it called? It's with Steve Carell. Now I'm forgetting the name. Yeah, we got. I'm gonna Google this. We gotta look it up. Um, oh, Beautiful Boy. I've actually never seen it's that. An independent film. So Beautiful Boy. Beautiful Boy, and Steve Carell plays his father, and he plays a kid who's addicted to meth. Oh, okay. And the way that he performs that is so like. There's you could even go to YouTube and just watch the. There's like a famous diner scene. So where he goes in the diner and he's just like cracked up and like, you're just like, holy shit, who's this actor? You know, like I, that's the first time I've ever seen him. Now I've seen him in King and I've seen him in Lady Bird and all these right. other movies. But now that was the first time I was like, this kid is remarkable. And he almost made Steve Carell's performance, like one of Steve Carell's best, in my opinion. And he's known as a comedic actor. This is a completely like serious drama type movie. I feel like the only other movie he's done like that is Foxcatcher. I've never even seen that. That's another serious movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Was he? Was it younger? Like younger Steve? No, Carell? he's. This was like a couple of years ago. Okay. It was. It's got Shannon Tatum, and it's. He's a wrestling coach, but it's oh, like sick. It's like a story of like manipulation and abuse and stuff like that. Wow. So okay. Steve Carell plays the abuser. So. So this did open my eyes to another. So before I give you my TV guy. Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen what's eating Gilbert Grape. It's an older one. So I feel like I have, but it's been a long time. So I think I it's 90, I think it's 95 or 96. Okay. And it's Leonardo DiCaprio and Johnny Depp. And Leo plays a mentally disabled boy. Okay. And his performance was so well done that, and I read stories on this and I know it's a pretty popular thing about this movie, but when he went to the Oscars that year, and I believe, and I might be wrong, but he, I think that was his first Oscars he's ever attended people looked at him and like, wait, is he, is he actually like mentally disabled or is he not? Like they didn't know. Wow. Because his performance on there was almost like they just, they hired a kid who was mentally disabled and, and he just, just put him per- in the and he just performed a remarkable job. Wow. But Leo at six, I think he was 16 when he was in that movie, just absolutely killed it. So highly recommend that movie. It's a feel good movie. So, you know, you and the wife want to watch it. Yeah. Um, I will say Aaron Paul in Breaking Bad. That's, he he leaves me in a certain emotion right and like i'm like tearing up thinking about it right now because you you think of the spectrum and by the way i'm gonna throw this out there if you've never seen breaking bad shame on you i in my opinion it's number one of all time i think most people will put it top three or top five all time agreed um but i have a number one but if you take walter white you know and i'm i'm doing this scale here walter white's up here and jesse's down here I love the fact that through eight or nine seasons, they completely flip-flop yep. and they do it so slow, but they make it so like smooth mm-hmm. and Aaron Paul, dude, like I'm surprised I haven't seen him in much after this, but right. Maybe it's a choice, but it might be. I know, well, he, I know. Did he, El Camino. In Idaho. he does, but they did El Camino, which, yeah. you know, is just a further testament to yep. how much people loved his character mm-hmm. that they could do a standalone movie after this show. Just without him. Brian Cranston, right? He was in like one scene, but like it wasn't even a big scene at all. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was. I I, I really enjoyed El Camino, and I think you know that's 
that's like the power of like a character driven story you yes. know and that's what i love you know like i and i think breaking bad is so good because it does it's at the end of the day like it's about the characters like and the story they create is like it's great and it's amazing but you only really care because of how good the characters are yes and i feel like that's a flaw that a lot of movies and stories have for me is like either i don't care well enough about the characters or the story isn't compelling enough um it's like the needle in the haystack to have both it is it is because usually films will have one or the other right so usually a film will have i mean unless it's poorly made just for money's sake but if you take like good directing or good acting or good story usually the movie itself will genuinely have like a good story right or have really good acting i mean the way i viewed the joker i thought the story was very poor but i thought joaquin phoenix made that movie incredible yeah and it's interesting how one thing can like kind of balance carry yeah or carry the lacking like yeah you can tell how good something is when you're not you don't care about the story but yep. the character keeps you there yep so it's just rare to find that i feel like there's a lot of fine and like good stuff that comes out but there's so few great that it's like when you get it you just have to enjoy it because it's too rare it's too are rare. you are you the type of person that say you watch a movie will you be straight up with the people and say yeah the movie is terrible oh yeah good oh yeah good and, and it's funny because I was thinking about this too, like kind of going back to what we first started talking about, like with COVID, I haven't seen a lot of movies lately, um, but what I have been watching more is shows. Okay. Um, so maybe we can like dive I want. I want to know that I want to, I actually want to know, and maybe you want to go on like a tangent that I'm very much interested in, but I want to know your, like, what are your top shows? So my, our, it's hard to rank them because, so I like dark, like Are you crime. a Game of Thrones guy? I do like Game of Thrones um but it's not my favorite never seen it and i so here's the thing i actually lately i've been reading a ton of audiobooks i've gotten very into like reading and i think audiobooks are like so cool because they kind of bridge the gap between reading and watching something especially with a really talented voice actor who kind of brings the characters to life um so one of my favorite book series of all time is the stormlight archive by brandon sanderson hands down that's the best story genre it, so it's epic fantasy. Okay. Um, but what he does so well is that he creates a world where you love these characters, like mm-hmm. by the end of it. And I mean, this is going to go for years. Like he's built this world and, and everything he writes, in my opinion, is fantastic. But um, the way that he develops these characters, the way that he portrays them, the way they struggle with mental illness, um, internal struggles, like I think there's so many things where it's, you know, it's beating the bad guy. Like you look at Marvel and, and, yes. and Marvel's fun, you know, but it, I wouldn't classify much of Marvel as truly great because at the end of the day, the hero beats it's the predictable. bad guy. It's, it's predictable, predictable. Yeah. and it's surface level. But I feel like the things that I love, you know, the character development, like how can I identify with this character? Like, what does this character like teach me and how can I learn from them? How can you apply to your real life? Exactly. You know? And I think what Sanderson does so well in this in the books is that, he creates characters that at the end of the day, they do have to fight a bad guy, but the struggle and the story and the lesson isn't in beating the bad guy. It's in overcoming the internal challenges, like, mm. which for me is just, that's, I eat that up. Like, I love it. Um, yeah. And we can talk about books maybe another time, but kind of going back to TV shows, like I like, I'm into like darker crime stuff, like not super dark, but like kind of getting there. Like I like it a little more edgy. You introduced the Unabomber to me. Yes. Which I think is one of the most overlooked series. Oh, on, easy. I mean, I know there's only one season, but one of the most overlooked TV shows on Netflix. 
And can we acknowledge how great of an actor Paul Bettany is? Dude, Paul Bettany. Have oh. you been watching WandaVision? No, no spoilers. I haven't okay. seen it yet. We're, we're currently watching Marvel through a, a timeline. Okay. So we're, we just finished Ultron. Okay. And so we're getting there. It's a fitting place but to be. Real quick on that note, because I follow a bunch of film accounts on, on social media. And I read, and I did not know this, that Paul Bettany was told, um, I think it was after Iron Man 2, as he was playing the voice of Jarvis, Jarvis. that um, I guess like an agent told him that he needs to retire and that he'll never get another um, major role. And after that, he got the call, like literally 20 minutes later, he was sitting on a curb or something and he got the call to see if he could play Vision for the next like six films. Sure. And so it just completely revamped wow. his entire career. But Paul Bettany, especially in the Unabomber, if you have not seen the Unabomber, I oh, highly recommend it. it. Yeah, no, Paul Bettany. But I, so without spoiling anything, I think WandaVision might be one of my favorite Marvel pieces really? ever done. I heard it's controversial in the beginning and then you really start to like it. So it is. And I think a lot of people struggled with the intro, which has turned off a lot of people, but it's, I hate to say that you have to push through the first couple episodes. Dude, but it's like The Office. You got to push through the first season to enjoy Well, it. I think the thing is with WandaVision is that it's so hard to understand what's happening because the first episode, which I'm sure a lot of people know this, is it's basically an episode of I Love Lucy, like structure. So, you know, and it's it's shot and performed like an episode of I Love Lucy. So today we're in a very like instant gratification, short attention yes. span. And so I think when you watch this without any real purpose to it, other than just a very average experience, um, it's really hard to get through. And then the second episode isn't much better. It's still kind of in that pacing. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be a part of it because, you know, Marvel movies now, it's like action, 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 Every gratification, movie, right? fight, fight, fight. It's over. It's like, wow, that was awesome. It's like junk food for the brain. But I think this, this one, like the, the development of the story and this last episode, episode eight was like, a deep dive into like a deep emotional like was that the finale no the finale is tomorrow so they're watching at midnight or what no I'll probably watch it in the morning <laughs> <laughs> i'm not that excited about it but i am excited to are you enjoy wait, it. wait wait are you putting this top three is that what's happening right now um i'm and i'm about it i've never i've never seen it uh it's just so refreshing to see marvel not deal with instant gratification cool quick 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 quips they're being original it is original and it's i think in some ways it's really beautiful because for me like the marvel movies that i enjoy most are the ones where you can take out the superhero aspect and still have a great story yeah uh, iron man one it's a story about a guy who realizes iron man one was it just separates itself from all the others right i actually dislike the second third yeah me bit. too i think they're very boring and very like too much agreed i think there's only a five that i would say are great um I think Infinity War is my favorite because very well made. It has a dark, that dark it's aspect. Dark. Yep. And I think, you know, the villain is what really makes a movie for me. I always root for the villain. I love understanding the villain because the heroes are always so samey for me. Yeah. But I think how well Infinity War portrayed Thanos was what made it so great because at the end of the day, you understood why he was doing the things he was doing. But the, you just had a problem with the way he was doing it. Yeah. Because it's he's trying to solve overpopulation. And I think Black Panther had this too, where it's like, yep. I was just know, about to mention the oppression of people of color is what Killmonger was trying to reverse. He's like, we've been oppressed for so long. But his solution was let's just go murder everyone who's yeah. caused who's causing the current problems, which 
won't solve anything. But I love the the change of mindset that it actually gives T'Challa or Black Panther by the end of the movie. He realizes that he's been living in ignorance and he needs to do more and he starts to go about things the right way. So he's almost motivated by that exact same cause, just does it in a little bit of a more moral. Exactly. Method. Yeah. And I think the Joker does that to, yep. to Batman in the Dark Knight. Yep. You know, like it's almost like you need that villain to get you to where you need to be, even though the villain's doing wrong things, but that hero, their progression comes through interacting with that villain. Well, I thought what was brilliant about Heath Ledger's Joker, and I think a lot of this has to do with writing, throwing out my shot for Christopher Nolan, <laughs> but I think what was huge is that they mentioned, or like there's plenty of scenes in there where it showed that he didn't care about anything. He didn't care about money. Yeah, He wasn't doing it for money. Like he was the doing dog things. chasing cars. Exactly. Like he, you, there's a scene where he literally burns like half a billion dollars. Yeah. But he did it to make a point. Right? right. And his whole saying was like, they deserve a better class of criminals. Right. It's the same thing as like, if you were to ask for Batman to be a better superhero, I think Joker took that upon himself to say, well, if you're wanting the best superhero, you deserve the best villain, not a sub 20 villains right let me just give you one that's going to be above average from all the others which right. i respected in that case yeah and i think thanos does that as well like especially in infinity war i didn't like him as much in end game because yeah. it went backwards it's in predictable, time predictable man well it was predictable and it went backwards in time to where he was kind of a traditional villain it was just i'm here to beat you i'm here to win you know but in infinity war you had that emotion like that you know, the part where he sacrifices Gamora, like you feel that. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. And you don't really feel that in other Marvel movies. Um, and in a lot of movies. And, and I think that villain really, like, like you said, with the Joker, like it takes you to a place where you couldn't have gone without the villain. Yeah. And it takes the hero to a place that couldn't have gone without the villain. And I think like Iron Man, the first one, like that's that journey that Tony Stark goes on of like realizing like the privilege he lives under and like, the ignorance well, he, has. he was almost the villain in that movie that you're rooting right for. yeah because what he was doing was unethical right and you realize that as a viewer and he realizes that exactly it's funny because the villain in that movie you don't like him you don't like it's his his uh yeah his assistant jeff bridges I, yeah yeah jeff bridges character and you don't like him at all right like you're not a fan of him and then so, so you start thinking oh well they had a crappy villain it's like no tony stark was the villain in the he beginning. was the villain and he had to, and he literally had to beat himself right so i've never even thought about that until now me either but you, it's so we're true. Talking about villains yeah we just summed up why iron man was so great Dude, Dude, we might as well just write some marvel films <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> I think well the other one that sticks out to me marvel wise is the winter soldier and the reason very good movie is because it's captain america's or steve rogers captain america's dilemma of what do i do about my ex slash potential still best friend who's now a murdering machine yes. like how do you reconcile that and i think it's the story of like someone who's dealing with someone they love who's changed yes. and how do you embrace that yeah and you can take out all the other stuff but that's the story that remains yeah. and so the villain again is like kind of himself you know like it's kind of the perception you know everyone is against the winter soldier they just want to kill him but captain america's like they're still some redeeming qualities like i can still get through yeah. to him but you gotta think when they go to the drawing table i guarantee that's the number one point they probably say okay so in the bulk of this film we're gonna have steve rogers come into contact with his old best friend who is now the villain of the show right so let's build around this right and i think the emotion behind 
what is he, how is he going to feel is literally the vocal point, right? right? So all the extra fluff and action and shield storyline and other things like that's just all like addition right to what the the real story plot is but i feel like people don't go into movies thinking that no they don't go into movies saying what is the message i can take afterwards they say well i feel like most people honestly use the two to three hours it's kind of a waste of time yeah because they go and it's it's entertainment don't get me wrong but I'm a huge believer in time. And I think like, what are you doing with your time? Sure. I mean, we're here creating a podcast at 9 PM. Right. And you know, you're extremely busy with work and school. I have work. Like we also have social lives that, you know, we enjoy, but here we are because we know that this, this stimulates our mind in a way where we want to be better and more creative. And so I feel like when you go into a movie, don't look for movies to be an hour and 20 minutes long. Look for movies that are three hours long and say, well, why is it three hours long? right? Like, what's the point of this? Like, do a little bit of research if you have to. Yeah. I just think you should go in and make it something, right? It's an art. It is. Sorry, that was like a rant on movies being more than what they are, but. Well, no, and that's the thing is like, you know, very few movies do we remember, you know, that that we keep going back to. And that kind of comes back to that thing I was saying, you know, can you go back and think about, not even do you have to go back and watch it, but can you go back and apply it to your life? Um, and I think, you know, my favorite shows and movies are the, and books are things I can go back to and keep getting things from it or even just thinking about it. Well, think about, and you know, in work, mm-hmm. we use this phrase called emotional marketing, right? So when you see something on social media, and I use social media because everybody's on social media, right? So you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or something, and you see something that pops out to you, it pops out because it made you feel a certain way, right. whether it made you feel happy, sad, angry nostalgic and i think that also pertains to our favorite shows yeah so it's funny because i put stranger things up there pretty high and in my like analytical view stranger things is not like a stellar show it's fine it's It's good it's fine it's good good. yeah but it's extremely nostalgic it makes me feel like i want to live in that era more more than other shows more than dirty dancing more than all these other shows that were in that era or at least made you feel in that era this one has kids as the focal point. And I mm-hmm. feel like they open the gates for kids being the focal point of a show. Yeah. Cause now you have ghostbusters with the kids. You have all these shows with kids now. And I feel like they open that nostalgic door of like, when, what was I doing as a kid? Right. Right. I was outside playing, I was having airsoft wars, night games, like doorbell ditching, like all this stuff that they have that vibe. Mm-hmm. And so I think that made me feel nostalgic. So they were doing emotional marketing. They know that their storyline is good, yeah. but it's not great. Right. But they know that the nostalgic view or the, the feeling that is great. And so, like we said, with, you know, characters and story, their emotional marketing almost supplements or carries the extra, you know, story that it needs. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think, I don't think anyone's going back to something because they analyzed it was a good movie. I think yeah. you're going back because you felt something mm-hmm. and that really, I mean, that's what you're looking to capture, right? To be successful. Right like the things that we love are the things that made us feel something. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, I mean, as far as my favorite shows go, kind of circling back, yeah. like, um, my favorite show in a lot of ways is The Mentalist. I've never seen it. That was huge when uh, I was in high school. Yeah. And it, I watched it kind of while it was live. And then uh, I've rewatched it, I think, three times now. 
Where's it at? Is it HBO or what? It's actually on Amazon Prime now. Okay. So that, but it was, it's, that's the first time it's ever been on any streaming service. I was about to say, I haven't seen it anywhere. Yeah. It's, it was an older ABC show, but it kind of fell through the cracks. But um, <laughs> it's like, I love revenge stories. I love The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh my gosh, dude. The yes. Count of Monte Cristo. Another movie that gets slid under the rug. Yep. It's, well, I mean, so I need to read the book. Uh, a really good friend of mine. Book has loves it one, like his favorite book of all time which well now brandon sanderson's stormlight archive is up there with it yeah but, um yeah no i need to read the book but like the story of revenge is just something that i love like and a story of revenge that's well done because and that's what the mentalist is for me um so one strong main character with a, an incredible story and then their character development um have you ever seen uh, true detective no uh you a fan? Is True Detective like Law and Order, CSI? No. Okay, I've always attached it to that. It's not at all like that. Okay. It's a crime drama. Okay. So every season is a is a case. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, there's three seasons. Not a fan of season two, uh, but each season is a completely different story with completely different characters. Uh, but season one is Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. What? Yeah. That is such a random, <laughs> but it's amazing. Uh, Woody Harrelson, I can't imagine him in like many very, very, very serious roles. He, I mean, he's kind of the funny guy, and yeah. so they're they're okay. partners. They're partners, okay. um, and it's like this really strange, eerie, small town, like ritualistic type murder, and they're the two detectives that get it. And Matthew McConaughey is like very like kind of ethereal he's like really out there like uh and Woody Harrelson's kind of like your typical cop who's kind of yeah. like you know he's kind of a little bit disheveled you know a little more crude and rough and and Matthew McConaughey is a little more quieter reserved but like more cerebral and so what actually happens is the show's taking place in three different timelines there's the current which is like the future in the show there's the past which is when the case started and then there's like a middle point so the show's jumping between all three viewpoints oh, wow. okay. and they're kind of being interviewed about this case because they obviously started the case. And then there's a point where they had a break in the case about halfway through. And then there's like the current day where it all ended. Okay. And so that's kind of following those three different timelines. So it kind of has a little bit of Nolan it type. It kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit. Right. Yeah. You're always thinking, you're always trying to put the pieces together. It has that inception prestige yep. type multiple timelines, but it does it in a way where it's not confusing. I think so far I'm impressed that I haven't seen two of your top three shows. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're not super like, I do love breaking bad. Don't get me wrong. Top five for sure. But I, I love like, I love Patrick Jane and the mentalist. He's okay. the protagonist and um, he's not always a good guy. That's another thing I love. He's more of a gray area character than a black and white character. Okay. Like he's not always, saying I'll do the right thing morally. He'll do the right thing in his opinion. And so ah, okay. that's why I love him so much because he's not predictable. You know, he's not the kind of character where you're like, oh, I know what you you're going to do. You know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, you never know what he's going to do. Or you might have an idea, but you're never sure. Uh, and I think like True Detective really nails down that like story character development and, and it gives you that feel in a way where it's like very raw and visceral. Kind of like, um, what was that movie? Or what was that show on HBO that came out about uh, the Russian um, oh. nuclear? No, uh, I, I haven't seen it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I got to look that up. But yeah, that, that another one, that's another one where it was just like so... You saw that one? I saw it. Good? 
super good it's, it's one of those like raw shows that like you feel things that are just like unimaginable yes what's number three uh number three and it's hard because like especially streaming and how high like streaming is is the future right? it is and i actually think it's going to change i think it's going to be even more than streaming but Agreed. right now the fact that there are like 10 streaming platforms i mean paramount plus came out today right and so i mean add that to the list so yeah, i'm excited to see what they do with that there's so many things dude, that they're, they're, they're revamping everything like if you're a you know kid in our you know i guess you know kind of yeah because we're in our 20s yeah so. so we're kind of like mid late 20s and so our nostalgia is what they're revamping exactly right? so they're like live action fairly odd parents like new spongebob iCarly is revamping they're like, doing a live action halo yes yes so that's exactly why i'm like i'm a little excited because they're playing with emotional marketing they're bringing back your nostalgia your childhood yep and they know where the money is they know mm -hmm. that people who are 18 to 23 probably don't buy subscriptions yeah they know that people from 24 on to probably 50 are the ones who are who are purchasing making a physical like we want to watch something so exactly. we're gonna buy subscriptions so we're like okay how do we generate our content to those viewers yeah oh we just gotta bring back nostalgia okay cool let's let's just revamp a bunch of shows yeah and they've done that they've been doing that for years yeah. you know they brought back star wars they brought back they, yep. they redid ninja turtles they redid Dude, disney live action is a perfect example right like right. lazy in my opinion yes Agreed. brilliant as well yes because they just they spent 200 million to get eight or 900 in return for each movie that they've already written 20 30 40 50 years ago right the story's there yep you just need to cast the characters and produce yep. it a little bit of special effects and you're done yeah and i think i think streaming is where things are going and i think uh you know the only things we really watch on live tv now are politics and sports yep and everything else is streaming and funny enough i mean sports you have you know youtube tv is now really trying to get into that live well everyone wants a piece of it because yeah. you know like the nfl for example the nba those are drawing viewers regularly on live tv that's what keeps these cable companies in business and yeah. obviously politics which i don't watch politics shows that's not my Neither thing do I. <laughs> but i do like sports and so it's just interesting to see where that's going you know everything is all about content yes in social media and now with you know streaming services it's basically just a more organized version of YouTube where yeah. someone putting out content, but it's for a specific, you know, service. So it's really fascinating. It's so changing. what's number three? I'm dying, Roger. I need to know. <sighs> number three, I don't if know. You if had to pinpoint. I think number three for me, there's a couple shows I love. I love White Collar. Um, That's another one that was really big. Matthew Bomber, fantastic in that show. Um, again, another one where he, his story, he's not always the good guy, you know, he's kind of a gray area character. And I realize I kind of like that in shows. Um, I really love the killing. Don't never know if you've seen, ever seen the another darker crime drama, just fantastically produced. Like the music. You seem like a mind hunter guy. I did like mind hunter. Uh, I, I enjoyed really, that. That's a dark, that's a dark one. And it's really good. That one's much darker than like some of the stuff I do like, um, Another show called Broadchurch. It has David Tennant that. in it. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, I forget her name, but she won an Oscar for um, Queen Elizabeth. Oh, I know. I can't remember her name. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Catherine something, I think. But Heigl? Heald? No, no. Uh, she's a little bit older. Um, 
but they were it's the two of them are the two main detectives in this show oh it's a british show so i feel like i've seen um previews yeah it's 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 like a each i like those shows where you're like each season is a case and like yeah it's a drama where because then you're sucked in that season to one thing and they're pretty short you're not like having to go from start to finish in one episode and redo that for eight episodes in a season exactly you can start and that's why i like peaky blinders yes peaky blinders peaky blinders surprised me to be fantastic everybody told me like three years ago that might be my number three watch it watch peaky and i was like okay but what I like is with each season, and I think they're on season six now and their yep. last one, but they do. So there's six episodes every season. They never change. And the first three episodes are always build up. Mm-hmm. And the second three episodes are always like act on it. Yeah. But it's not, it's not all of a sudden. It's like a really nice carryover. Mm-hmm. And I think they play that very well because even their story keeps you engaged. Right. You're like, okay, cool. So I know this is going to be a huge part of the show, even though there's not a lot of action they're like pushing that on you. So then you're invested for the first three to then get satisfied for the last three episodes. Exactly. Very excited for them to come out with season six. Same. Yeah. But this is actually, this last season was the first time they ended on like a mid season cliffhanger, which was huge cliffhanger, huge. But uh, each season, like you said, kind of has its own storyline. And I like shows where this, you know, you get a season worth of a story, but it doesn't, you know, it kind of wraps itself up and moves to the next part. And most of these shows that I'm listing have that, like there's an overarching story, you know, some episodes may have more relevance to the overall story. Some may have less, but at the end, you kind of have a nice resolution to whatever that story was. Um, lately, I've been watching the show called Prodigal Son, which I absolutely I've love. heard of it. Never seen it. Fantastic. Um, it's, it's about a serial killer father, like many years after he's been caught. And then his son, who's a detective now, and he's kind of dealing with, a ton of psychological trauma from having caught his father and turned him in as a serial killer. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it's one of those very emotional shows too. Well, it's interesting. They're taking that, the aspect of the prodigal son, right? I mean, right. I'm sure whether people read the Bible or not, right. Everybody understands the story of the prodigal son and they, they take it into such a modern, almost like dare I say pop culture sense. Yeah of like serial killer mm-hmm. and you know because that's for some reason serial killers draw so much interest from our they do. age group um so i feel like that it's brilliant that they did that they took a very old biblical story and brought in modern pop culture and they just mixed it together yeah and it's another one of those shows where the character the main character is a very like gray area character um and i think that's at the end of the day what i love like i love a character who's more real because not everyone is going to make the right decision all the time the right decision according to society right or yeah. the wrong decision all the time yeah. you know i don't think that villains are necessarily always just a bad guy 100 percent of the time like and that's why i love you know thanos and killmonger in the marvel universe and uh just because they they kind of humanize a villain to a point where it's like at the end of the day they just have a different view of things but they they still have intentions that they believe are right well if you're looking at human beings as a whole typically you know think of yourself, any decision you make, whether it's a bad decision and you look back and you're like, wow, that was really shitty. Why did I make that decision? Mm-hmm. You, you had a reason at that time, yeah. right? So if we're taking a villain and the bad decision they make, you got to think, let's make the villain very human, you know, yeah. and make it to where they had a reason why they were making that decision in the first place, rather than saying, 
all right, so this does not make any sense at all. It's the wrong decision, but they're the villain. So it's automatically going to be the wrong decision with no reason. Exactly. It's like, then then you're giving so much fluff to a character. Right. And I think that's why you resonate with Thanos because he makes sense or Black Panther because they make sense, mm-hmm. you know, or even Heath Ledger. Yeah. Like not only is the acting just unreal, but you know, his, if you look at the character, the character, the mm-hmm. actual direction of a character brings in so much more dimension to the movie and or TV show. Right. So Peaky, is that your third? I would say it's, yeah, it's probably my third. That is not a bad third. It's, yeah, it's it's so different too. Like I love, I love stories where there's like, one reason, one thing I loved about Game of Thrones, which maybe a lot of people didn't like, was like the politicking and like the, the scheming and the, you know, the backstabbing and the planning side of things because- I gotta see it. It's, I mean, so quick tangent on Game of Thrones. I think a lot of people were disappointed by the ending and you know that's pretty i did hear that that's what you'll hear and i think and granted george r, r. martin hasn't finished the series so he's written up to a certain point and then at that point it was kind of up to the show to finish things so i oh, think interesting. so that's one reason why it's kind of i think why there was such a drop off in quality because a lot of people really enjoyed it up to a certain point and then they felt like the show kind of went in a weird direction but that's because there was no more content to use to create the ending so mm, okay and who knows if george r. r martin will finish this you know he's got allegedly two books left and it's been a long time since the last one came out so and i personally think he's kind of written himself in a corner because he does uh, discovery writing where he makes a great bunch of really cool interesting characters and then just has things happen to them which is awesome because you don't really know what's going to happen but in, the problem is at the end when you have to tie it all together, you didn't you don't know how to. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's where he's stuck. And so, and that's one reason why I love Sanderson so much because all of his stuff is planned. Okay. Um, and so you can tell it's moving towards things and you have really satisfying like um, fulfillment along the way, but you know that some things are going to be resolved later. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one thing that I really liked with Game of Thrones was like, and Peaky Blinders has this a lot too. It's not, if you go into it expecting just action, you'll be disappointed yep. because it's not constant action. Yep. And the action isn't just meaningless. And that's one thing that, that frustrates me is, you know, I don't like movies or shows where action for the sake of action, like have it mean something, you know, give it a purpose, right? Like if you're going to go kill someone, don't just do it to have someone be killed in the yes. show. Like, why are you killing them? You know, yes. You know, have reason. Give me a reason. Dude, I got to tell you, because this made me think of it. And if you haven't seen Peaky Blinders, and even if you don't plan on seeing it, you've got to take 10 minutes. They have this clip on YouTube. But I remember I was sitting on this couch right here and I was watching the end of season two. I don't know if you remember it. I do. So I'm just going to say, not going to spoil anything. Sure. But the scene of him in the field, it it hit me to my soul. Yes. I literally paused. So it was the end of the season. I'm right. Like, season I'm, finale. I'm tearing up thinking about it, man. That's so inspirational. But I, I paused it and I walked into my bedroom. And I told, I like walked up to Kenzie and I was like, I just watched one of, if not the best acting scenes I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Now I love Killian Murphy. Like I think, sure. He's, yeah. I, fantastic. I think he's a great actor. Do I think he gives one of the best acting performances throughout the entire series. No, like of all time, does he give an excellent acting performance? Yes. Yeah. Do I put it top three? I don't think so. But that moment was easily like, it's right up there. I've never, I honestly think beautiful boy is one of the only times I felt like emotion 
go through me because I was watching that mm-hmm. and his emotion just like came out through me. I was yeah. like, wow. So if you if whether you plan on seeing Peaky Blinders or not, end of season two, last 10, 15 minutes, just watch it. And I almost feel like that's something you can't fully enjoy unless, unless you, you watch the whole thing, everything up to that point. It's a good point. Cause it's that character buildup and development. Oh, it's so good, dude. Yeah. It's honestly, you know, that's what I live for. you like those moments. Yes. And like, I'm not exaggerating when I say you have like multiple moments like that per book and Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive really? for me, like just this like really raw, like emotional connection with a character. And they just, they break through in a way where you break through and like, it affects you so deep like in your soul and it like changes you as a person yeah while they change as a person and like that's what i live for you know that's like that transcendent moment like coming back to my other favorite movie of all time tombstone um that's not a perfect movie by any means but at the end of the day like the movie basically almost culminates in this scene where doc holiday's lying in a hospital bed dying of tuberculosis and Wyatt Earp comes in after all this stuff they've been through. And basically the message is like, you know, you were a friend to me this whole time. Like you were a real true friend. And like, it hits you because like, you know, all this stuff that's happened, like that's not really what you're thinking, but when it yeah. comes back to it, it's like, what is actual true friendship? And that's what it tells you. Like, this is what it shows you. Like, this is what it takes to be an honest, genuine, true, actual friend. And it just like hits you right there. And I love a lot of things about that movie, but like that message at the end just resonates with me so much. That's how it should be, man. Yeah. With, with all film, whether it's TV, movie, heck, I mean, think about the people who listen to music. Yeah. Right? I mean, they they listen to music to feel something. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't, I don't know why you're listening to music, but that's the reason why I watch movies or sure. TV. I don't watch, like, I love the office i think it's really funny but i don't watch the office like i don't personally throw on the office because it's, it's not making me like i'm not in tune with what's happening it's more like a, oh i'm going to bed okay let me put on the office yeah but i you know i was watching i had to figure out a new show to watch because i finished peaky blinders like three weeks ago oh really yeah so you just watched like it. just watched it. oh yeah. man well i've got a couple of recommendations if you want some. yes so i just finished it and i was i was on netflix and i was like I, I need a new show but like a show that's gonna get me engaged and i threw on narcos oh oh my gosh dude i've heard good things i've never seen it very very binge worthy and i think something that resonates with me is when they kind of i'm gonna make this word up if when they hollywoodize like a uh, true story yeah, because they took Pablo Escobar and I had heard his name. I had watched like the conspiracy of the fire festival and how they had his island. Mm-hmm. I did not know to the extent like who he was, what he did. And it's the whole story on him. But then you throw in Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Who plays Mandalorian. And I'm uh-huh. like, all right, well, now that show's really good. Yes. You know, so super good. Three seasons binged it super easy. Is it still going? Yeah. Oh, no, it's done. It's done. Okay. But they they're making so they made Narcos. And now same, so same, like, I guess you can Are they doing Narcos Mexico? Narcos Mexico. Right. Yeah. So same, same theme and everything, but now it's just in Mexico rather than Colombia. Okay. So really good. Highly recommend it. But, but yeah, it was one of those where I was like, okay, I don't want to, cause I could easily just throw on a movie or like some show that's funny or some like loose comedy or something. But I was like, no, I want to watch like a show. 
right? Like yeah. one that I can end my work day, spend an hour, just detox my mind and really watch something that I enjoy mm-hmm. and Narcos hit the spot. So I definitely want recommendations. Um, I say, you know, while I, I'm assuming we're probably wanting to wrap up, I want to hear recommendations on a couple TV shows and movies. For me? Yeah. Well, I think we can agree if you have not seen The Prestige. You have to. Watch it. If you have seen it, watch it again. Uh, yes. Especially if you've only seen it once. Oh my gosh. If you've only seen it once, go watch it right now. Yeah. It's like you've seen halfway through it if yeah. you've only seen it once. Um, Tombstone. I recommend that. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I don't know where Prestige is readily available on streaming. I don't know. It's not. It isn't. Okay. Yeah. But it's like three bucks to rent. So yeah, definitely the best $3 you'll ever spend. Yes. Um, and then as far as TV shows go, I mean, if you love Marvel and Disney, but you're, you know, if you're a little burnt out of the traditional superhero movie, WandaVision, stick through that first couple episodes. It gets much better okay. and gets great, I would say, by the end. Um, and I don't know the ending because it comes out tomorrow, but I would assume it's going to be good. I'm um, antsy for you, by the way. I, it's, it's, not, it's not about superheroes. Good. That's all I can say. Okay. It's about a very real human emotion, um, which it will be very obvious once you watch it, but getting through to that, like almost, again, it's kind of that payout, you know, that scene at the end of Peaky Blinders season two, like you have to go through the other stuff to really appreciate what episode eight at least culminated in, which I think was one of the most emotional things I've seen in Marvel, if not the most emotional, Um, maybe other than Tony Stark you know, snapping the gauntlet to yeah. sacrifice himself. You know, that that's one of those hit you moments, but this one's definitely up there. So, but in a very different way. Okay. Um, really liking Prodigal Son. That's actually still going. Where's that at? Hulu. Hulu. It's on Hulu. Um, I think Look it's- Look at Hulu giving us something. Right? Hulu's got that modern- Well, the nice thing about Hulu is they play that episode next day. So they have- Yeah, those... that's true. They're, they're the live TV show, right. like handyman. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Okay. Love Prodigal Son, Mentalist, super great on Amazon Prime. Um, and then I would say, I don't know where the killing is anymore. I only liked the first two seasons of it, but fantastic. Killing. Okay. Yep. It's a, it's actually a, a crime drama that takes two seasons to tell the story. Okay. So that's a little bit unique, but it's very dark. Uh, did you ever see Altered Carbon? No. It's got. I know of it, but so I've it's never the main it. guy from that. Okay. And then if you ever seen World War Z. Um, loved World War Z for it, some reason. I'm not like a zombie person. No, me but. either. Um, but Brad Pitt's the actress who plays Brad Pitt's wife. In okay, that, she's it's her and then the main guy from Altered Carbon. They're the two detectives. Oh, sick. Okay, um, but it's very like experiential type show. Like the cinematography, the music, the vibe. Like you feel like it's in port. It's in Seattle, so everything's like very dark. Oh, yeah, it's moody, rainy, moody. This murder that every episode has this deep. It has this very like you know, dark melancholy piano music that plays mm-hmm. regularly. And so like all that just adds this aesthetic. You feel like you're in this grungy, like Seattle, like murder investigation with these people. And like the layers of it are so satisfying, but I would say those, and then Broadchurch is the other one. I think it might still be on Netflix. It might okay. not be. David Tennant, can't go wrong. He's the main detective. And there's three seasons of that and they're all fantastic. So cool. those would be my recommendations. What about you? So I'm going to re re-emphasize the prestige like probably greatest plot twist i've ever seen ever maybe that's why it makes it my you should try reading the book sometime 
It's very I've never even known there was a book. It's based so. on a book. Okay. But so the book is very different from the movie. The prestige for sure. Um, I will say beautiful boy. Okay. I think it's a low key one. I also think for anybody who's a little bit more lighthearted lion really touched me. I actually bought that movie because you recommended it, but I have yet to watch it. Very, very good movie. So that one hit me in, in like that feel good, like wow type of um, movie. Um, so I really like that one. I'm thinking like, what's coming to my mind right now and that's with like tv shows breaking bad if you've never seen breaking bad sure. please check it out peaky blinders peaky blinders is good as a pleasant surprise i'd say peaky blinders is a pleasant like quaint surprise it's very different it's not binge worthy but it, you're invested if yeah. that makes sense you're very much invested but you're not like oh i need to watch the next episode it's one of those where, because there are hour. parts in the show where you do feel yes, like that yes. but not consistently yeah because each episode is an hour long so mm -hmm. it's nice to like watch an episode at night right? right and you're like okay i can go to bed because i watched an episode now some of some of them you'll have to watch three episodes yeah three hours especially towards the end of each season things ramp up yes um so breaking bad um peaky blinders um i will say mind hunter is a, is a solid one i'm excited for them to come out with more they actually um, canceled mind hunter no they did not they did i thought they delayed i know i, I, I know they that they were it planning on because they have the entire third we gotta look that up right now because they have the entire third season written out and i know they delayed it because uh i forgot his name not jonathan groff but his co-star there will be no more seasons of mind hunter at you least ruin the least, podcast at least not for this foreseeable future oh that's terrible unfortunately that's so terrible um i'm gonna throw a random so I'm going to throw a documentary out there. Do it. For anybody who's into documentaries, I'll give you two. If you're into Roger's crime scene, Ted Bundy tapes are some of the best I've ever seen. And I have seen that. And I think I vibe a little bit more because A, he was in Utah. B, he abducted a girl from Beaumont High School, which is where I went to school. Oh, really? And so I, didn't know that. I feel like I, it kind of hits home a little bit and watching it in a non-Hollywood but like really factual, really informational, More raw, super good. Um, also, um, the rock climbing one, it won best um, free solo. Yes. That had my hands sweaty. I was so nervous. I very, never saw very, that, but I heard very it was well made. Very I'm not a documentary stressful. person, but watched it, took the time, super well done. I highly recommend it. So I feel like, I feel like our shows intertwine, I'd say, any probably 95 percent of all of christopher nolan's movies i just recommend you watch them yeah i haven't seen memento either that's probably the one big one i haven't just need to watch that yeah and and it would be interesting if he does redo it to compare them because you know maybe that original one wasn't as good but he can take it there with all the experience he's had i think it was his second film right. so i think that's why a he's probably wanting to redo it because it from what i understand a very brilliant script sure yeah i've heard the story is amazing the yeah. script but yeah. like the the movie itself isn't anything like special it's yep. just kind of one of those weird cool movies but yeah i will say um listen to hans zimmer's interstellar album so hans zimmer's my favorite composer he sure. also i mean ironically is in a lot of christopher nolan films yeah for a good reason and i think there's a reason why though i liked tenet's music but it did not stick out to me because yeah i don't remember anything from Hans zimmer was not available for that because he took on dune which is going to be coming out soon i'm excited to see how so i'm i'm a big 
I'm getting bigger into fantasy okay. um, books, but I haven't gotten into sci-fi and I know Dune has like a cult following. Yeah. Um, and actually Timothy- Timothy Chalamet, is is, he's the main guy. He's the main guy. And the, uh, they have so many great actors. And actresses so many. And so many. Um, and so I'm excited to see how that movie is. Knowing nothing about Dune, I'll, that'll be my first exposure to it. So I'm excited. Um, I know that was that's supposed to come out this year. So that, that's one to watch. There you go. If it ever comes out, dude, I know they push back James Bond. They push back A Quiet Place. Was that from Paramount? No, Dune is Warner Brothers. Okay. It will be on HBO Max. So I know okay. that. I know that regardless if it ends up going in theaters or not, it's something I'm not a fan of. I don't think that, I mean, as much as I like being able to watch new movies on HBO Max, I just think that's kind of a, kind of a shot to the film industry. But right now, just to interject, it says Dune's currently set to release October 1st of this cool. year. Okay. I mean, it was supposed to be December of last year. It was. And the other one, of course, is Black Widow was delayed yes. from May. Uh, and, and now it's just, oh, they said uh, it's been pushed back to May 7th of this year, which I did not know. All right. Because I'm actually excited about Black Widow because I, I want to see Taskmaster. He's one of my favorite villains. Well, it's also more story. Right. Again, yeah. I think that's, it's going to be more like you said, about the characters and not the villain. Yeah. Although Taskmaster is one of my favorites. I, we shall see. He looks good. Well, I think the one thing that we could say is that we gave a lot of recommendations. Yes. And not that, I mean, once again, we're two nobodies that yeah. love film, but right. at the end of the day, I think that any, I mean, if somebody gives me a suggestion, I typically watch it. So mm -hmm. if, you know, somebody listens to this and finds five to 10 suggestions that they like or enjoy, great if they take one great if they don't great it was fun you know making it but um i appreciate everybody you know hopping on to the roger and spencer podcast i'm sure this will not be the only one yeah it won't and i think uh definitely feel free to let us know and like comments and stuff like that what you guys think of our recommendations our favorites and then also what yours are yeah i mean we take that seriously too i literally will yeah. take any recommendation now that you especially it. know our tastes, you kind of yep. can recommend stuff you know we might like. So cool. Uh, sweet. Well, thanks for stopping by, everyone. And you guys all have a great day.